has been long overdue. I think you and I, you were one of the people who reached out to me maybe like what four, three or four months ago when I put a note on Facebook that was like, I want to talk to people. Yeah. And for one reason or another, I think I ghosted. I got more people than I expected, and that was a good problem to have. And then I was like, and then we got back into person, and I just inadvertently ghosted a bunch of people, and you were one of those people, and I want to apologize for that. Uh, but then we messaged back and forth, and I'm glad we finally got it set up. Um, yeah. But I, I wanted but also to, my we no. had a, we had a scheduled appointment, and then I had to bail. Oh well, now you're trying to make me feel better about my off record apology for sleeping in today. <laughs> oh, no. we did. I, 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 it was the terrible, terrible reason that I had to bail. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, it was a good reason to bail, but it was a terrible situation. Yeah, yeah. But it's also not all your fault. Okay. Well, let's. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to move past my self flogging here for for <laughs> sleeping in today. But um, I want to just. I mean, we can talk about whatever you'd like to talk about today. Um, I'm loose, and I think I maybe messaged you that if there's something specific on your mind that. You know, these days with my podcast, I'm, I mean, I know you well, and I'm not that I'm not interested in getting to know you more. I am, but I'm actually more interested in getting to drill down on stuff with you that maybe you're curious about, maybe you have a strong feeling about, maybe you're, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm more interested, I'm sort of drilling deep on stuff. So, but we don't have to. If something comes up, great. If not, all good too. But um, is there anything on your mind that you wanted to sort of, um, any grenades you wanted to lob in the room here before we get going? Um, anything that's been on your mind? I don't know. I mean, I do feel like there's been a huge shift since coronavirus started. And I just, I like can't get over it. Like it's kind of changed to I am and my career goals mm. and how I think about literally, quite literally everything mm-hmm. about music. And because when I was going through as everybody was going through coronavirus and still are, I was also going through a very significant health issue Mm -hmm. that put everything to a pause. And so like I had to reevaluate like my whole life, like what makes me happy? What makes me want to get up in the morning? Mm -hmm. And it couldn't be like my motivation for my career because there was not much I could do Mm. because of my health issue. And because of coronavirus is like a double whammy. Mm. And that's kind of the grenade. I mean, that's, that's everything that's been on my mind. And it just, I don't feel like the same person anymore. And I think it's kind of interesting because I'm, I'm not sure everybody has that experience in their life where mm. like they start somewhere and they're like, well, this is the end goal and I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. And they just, just a constant kind of incline. And then something implodes their life and it changes their perspective or, mm-hmm. you know, a parent dies or like a significant other dies or like uh, you have a health issue or a significant other has a health issue family member so it's like I feel as though as musicians we we don't take the time to think about these kind of things until Mm -hmm. it's already too late until what is you know what are we without music what are we without being able to play our instrument those are I mean those are all um, everything you're saying is completely resonating with me like everything um I, you know, I made a post, I think, maybe like the second or third week into March of whatever, year and a half ago, whenever the pan, like when the lockdown started, and it was like, you know, the first couple of days of the lockdown, everybody was like, ah, cool, that's going to be, you know, they told us it was going to be two weeks, 
you know? And I was like, okay, yeah. so has been on vacation for two weeks. We've been on tour for two weeks. Like, we can survive this. We've lost money for two weeks. Like, this isn't a big yeah. deal. And then it was like, cool, you're going to be in locked in until the end of May. And then it was like, now through the end of summer, and now we're going to, like, <clears throat> um, I made a post about, like, I didn't realize I was building a sand castle, like, on the edge of the water my whole life. <laughs> like, no yeah. one t- like no one told me to turn around and look at the the waves crashing, like, very close. Um, and now in hindsight, it's like I, 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 everything you're saying is resonating. It's made me, I mean, well, let me, be, we, I could talk about me all the time, but like, but for you, what, what would you say is something pre pandemic Andrea that you've let go of? Like either, whether it be a goal or sort of a, a, a way, a, when you mentioned this incline, like incline mm-hmm. means like, okay, cool. You've got something here that you're inclining towards. Like, did any of that change? What changed for you? Yeah, I had these, I mean, very, like, hard set in stone goals for myself. And I was very adamant about getting to certain things at a certain age. And that was, like, a big thing. It was, like, by this age, I'm going to be doing this. By this age, I'm going to be doing this. And it was something that brought so much stress to my life that it affected the way my music sounded. It affected how productive I was because I was so stressed about getting it done that the product itself was not was not that great. It was like, and then I'd get frustrated because the product wasn't great. And then I would be able to put it out there. And I'm like, well, I'm not happy with this because mm-hmm. it's not where I want it to be. So pre pandemic, Andrea was very much more focused on achieving these milestones at, at, in a certain time frame. And post pandemic, Andrea is like, I just want to create things that are an expression of how I feel. And I don't care if that takes a month or if it takes two years. Um, I'm not worried about like, oh, I need to hit a million followers on Instagram by this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about it anymore. <laughs> like, I really just wish I could go without it. But I know it's a necessary thing now. And um, I like basically all those things I was so I was so concerned about. I don't I'm not anymore like I. I kind of have to make myself a little bit more like I'm finding a way to, to be more motivated about it, but I'm more worried about experiencing like life and how to express those emotions in my music than, um, than actually those, those milestones, which were my entire life before it's all I cared about. Do you think that, uh, because this is some, something you're identifying too is something I've noticed that is a, a, just a generational difference between your generation and, and mine. Um, and I, I, I say that to you specifically because of, of a part of your life that has that you've embraced way more than I have, which is the online, I wouldn't even say social media, because your performance is online when you play drums and, and you sing, um, uh, as, 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 do you pronounce it, Andy? Andy. Andy, I apologize. God bless America. Andy. <laughs> um, uh, when you perform as that entity... Um, you you're inhabiting an online space that just I never had the guts to do. Like I never like I have a podcast, but like I don't actively try to like get followers. I don't that for some reason that is not that that sort of thing approach happened I think at the right spot for your generation and wasn't something that was part of the the currency of mine. And I'm kinda curious mm-hmm. for you, like this is a question out of ignorance just because I've never dabbled in that. Like what what is that you mentioned that approach has changed now. Like prior to 
prior to the pandemic, you were really looking for followers and you, let's just be honest, you have a shitload of followers on your Instagram page relative to most <laughs> everybody else in the contemporary music world. You know, so percussion's like, we have 4,000 people following us, you know, <laughs> and you've got like something like 16 grand or something just every time you do a drum set or maybe more by this point. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like, cause that also seems to me just calling balls and strikes. If I'm on the outside, that seemed to me kind of like where you, when no one's looking, that's where you go. Like when you're alone and you've got, you're your saddest or your happiest, or you've had a great meal and you just want to sit and have more comfort food, you get behind your mallet out of your drum set. Is that accurate? Um, I think that used to be, I think it's now um, writing, like it's mm. turned to writing as opposed to creating content. Writing text so or I writing music? Both. So oh. writing songs. Ah, okay. So, um, uh, and it's kind of mel- melded into my, my songwriting process as well. It's like, I just have a notebook and if I like, it's very emotional. If I'm going through something like I've had some family members pass away, I've had, um, you know, some like heartbreak. So if I'm going through one of those situations and I feel really heavy with emotion, I just like turn all the lights off and I sit at the keyboard and I just find the, melodic lines or notes or harmonies and chords that really feel like they describe what I'm going through. And then if also words are coming to me, I'll just kind of like add those to it. And it helps me sort of process the emotion. And then I usually just like leave it off to the side and um, then sometimes forget about it. Sometimes come back a couple of days later and, and start to form it into a song and um, put an instrument, you know, put, certain melodies to instrumentations and and be like oh well, this would sound good as a you know, synth line or this would sound good as a keyboard line or you know i like how if i took this melody and i went to this second melody that i wrote it kind of works mm. and um using that as an outlet for as opposed to just like the social media content which i still do occasionally like sometimes you'll see my life uh seep into like the song choices i make on instagram but like nobody knows it's just personally i find it fun to like okay well this you know this is going on so it'd be kind of funny if i chose this song right now even though nobody knows this is going on in my life mm-hmm. it's just a personal experience it makes the whole it makes the whole process more fun for me um and i, I almost see the social media content as more of a like a, a practice goal like mm. um so if i'm working on something on the mount station to get better at in a performance. Like if I'm trying out looping, I'm like, well, let me try like a looping post, like a minute long. Mm-hmm. And then I practice it, you know, something I could practice and then have with the goal of posting it to sound good enough to post. So then that motivates me and, um, to, to, to post more. And it's all, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like this kind of selfish. It's like, well, I posted for, you know, the practice of it, but, uh, it's definitely shifted from like posting to, gain followers to posting because I, you know, was working on this or, or because this turned out really well and I had fun making it. Um, but then I, I mean, I always keep that in the back of my head. Like I know, you know, Instagram's going through this whole video thing. So I've been posting a lot more videos to, to Instagram. Mm. Um, so there's a little bit of that self-conscious like idea of like, okay, well, what's doing well? Oh, well this video did really well randomly. So I guess I'll just keep doing videos. Um, but for the most part, I've taken a lot of of the um, 
pressure off of myself where I was like before I was like I need to post one time a day and then it would be content I wasn't that happy with it's like it's just another uh thirst trap I don't know it's like like how many thirst traps can I (laughs) what's a thirst trap a thirst trap is like when you post something that's purposely like like raunchy or like um (laughs) You know what I mean? So people will thirst over it. People will be like, wow, this is so hot. You know, and then fire emoji, fire emoji, that kind of thing. I I just, no one's ever been thirsty because of something I've ever posted. So I just, (laughs) by that definition, I think that's true. Um, A soap percussion thirst trap. Doesn't happen, doesn't exist. It's an oxymoron. Um, well, the, one of the things that, uh, just in terms, I mean, you mentioned the, the looping thing. Have you thought about any of your, con- I mean, cause one of the things that I've always, that for me personally, that I've always had a problem with in terms of like the content, the desire to create the perfect content, um, which I think is why I don't edit my podcast. It's why like I have a Bandcamp page of me sight reading 900 tunes that on pan after Trump got elected because I, you know, um, <laughs> like the way I reacted to things is, 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 is actually more content and more for me. Like I was reacting against Trump as like this guy who is clearly the least perfect thing in the world, but somehow manages to say a thing that gets him out of it where he's never blemished like that to me, that just never made sense. And, and so I was like, well, Maybe it wasn't a rational reaction, but I was like, well, I can't let my students think that's how I am. And so, like, I went down and was like, I'm going to sight read 900 times and, like, three times a day during Trump's presidency for the first year. Yeah. And so I did it. And it was like none – I mean, there's maybe, like, ten versions up there that are good out of the 900. But, you know, I, I think my goal for it was different than yours in terms of, like, what what you're trying to do. Have you, I mean, I, and as I'm thinking of Mark Rebelais, I mean, I'm sure you know who, know who Mark oh, is. Oh, I yeah. love him. I kind of wish there was a secret Mark Rebelais page for his super fans who could go and hear him completely fuck up a loop. Yeah. You know, like That's, where he puts those yeah. sleigh bells in the wrong spot and he has to start all over or he has to like. He would be great. You know, like that. what are the things, where are the, where are the, where's the shitty Mark Rebelais stuff? I'm, I refuse yeah. to believe that the stuff that we see is the first time he wakes up every day and just presses record. I know that's not true. Mark's a nerd. I've never met him, but I'm going to guess he's a big nerd <laughs> mm-hmm. who toils yeah. over his stuff just like you do with your Mallet Cat. Like, have you thought about putting out a like. Here's the end product, but here's the, you know, just for folks who think what you're doing is easy. That would be, that would be great. Yeah, I think that would be, um, that's a great idea to put out some of that. Because there's some of it that is pretty hilarious. And I mean, I get recordings that they all record it straight to Logic or straight mm-hmm. to Main Station. I get takes where I'm like, God damn, you know, you know, stupid stuff or like, and I try not to be hard on myself too. So I'll often like, they're like, oh, heavens. Oh, shucks. You know, just throw in, like, the weird and, like, old lady, old lady curse words mm-hmm. to well, make myself laugh. You also, too, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, the other thing, too, that, like, you come from a, from, like, you study, where'd you study? I met you at SOCI, and you had just graduated yeah. or were graduating from CIM? Yeah. CIM. Yeah. So, like, the idea that, like, Tom Freer or Rich Wiener, everybody's going to put out all of their Scheherazade practice sessions that didn't go well, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, to me, I wonder how much of the sort of, um, I think I would have had a less anxiety inducing thought approach to the orchestral world if I knew that Rich Wiener actually 
could shit the bed sometimes, you know, like that would have yeah. been kind of helpful. That would have been very helpful. Yeah. I, I, that's also, that's a huge, that's a whole other subject where I like basically have just worked past it mm-hmm. through therapy of like working through that mindset, that terrible toxic mindset that was set in my head from being in school for orchestra, you know, for orchestral music at a conservatory, maybe different other places, but specifically there I've had to, I mean, all of what we're talking about, even just it seeps into social media, it seeps into like your personal life. You want everything to be perfect and you need everything to be rehearsed and you need the first time to be right. Your performance is like it. And you guys helped me break out of that as well. I know mean, you were just like the start of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like then finally through ther- like therapy, I was able to get through the, that terrible like mindset of, of everything has to be perfect. So like even in social media or like it has to be the perfect performance where I'm like, well, maybe I'll just overdub the vocals. Cause I don't feel like doing it again. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't have, to, I'm, I'm not trying to prove this to anybody. I'm trying to have fun. Um, yeah. And, and it would, it's debilitating. If you're well, like, I, I rem- I'm sorry to interrupt, but I remember that. I remember, I don't, there was a specific moment at SOCI that year, I think, about like two or three days into it is time rehearsals where like I could, I could watch that internal battle in your head happening. And I basically could write down the script word for word, (laughs) you know, and then hand it to you. And you had been like, get out of my head, Mr. Quillen. Like, because I could, you know, what little experience I had with orchestral sort of and again, I don't want to generalize that the orchestral mindset is is by default a certain thing, but I think there is some truism that in order to get a job with the Cleveland Orchestra or New York or, I mean, even your local community orchestra, when they have a position open, there's 45 people who are going to show up and, you know, like to play the snare drum, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're not yeah. even talking so about classical or, or timpani or anything, you know, like this is a different thing. And so there is, it's like if I want to be... If if part of the music world is like I want to be I want to have this I want to be in Usain Bolt like it's like in order to like you have to have that you got to wake up every day and unfortunately that's the way that system works and at least right now and I decided early on I was like well I can't that system's too big I can't possibly change that and I'd rather play steel drums at a pig roast every day of my life <laughs> and I love Mahler I love you know, Wagner and Beethoven, all like, it's amazing art and I have a great time playing it, but they don't give me free pig and like a free drink yeah. at, at orchestra a rehearsal. hug afterwards. It's way less stressful to play the pig roast, but, um, I, you know, anyway, just to say, I saw that a moment with you at Sosu and I, and I think the four of us sort of in one way or another said to each other, like, okay, like, she, we need to get her to understand that like Steve Mackey doesn't care about these notes. This is not the Scheherazade of contemporary music where Rimsky Korsakov is going to rise up because you didn't play like right in the right, <laughs> the right sticking. You didn't have the right mute. There's a way to play this music correctly where Steve will jump out of his seat because you're playing in the style of Steve Mackey. And that was a moment where we like we had that. It's like the Temple of Doom where you have the bag of sand and the idol. Where we had to be like, and Andrea, there you go, you know. And then then we we had to run out before we got hit with darts, you know. Like, <laughs> um, but it but but I think it sucked as a teacher to sit and watch you have to deal with that because you'd never had that experience up to that point. 
But we all were yeah. like, well, this is the time. This is literally the safest place you can have this experience. <laughs> like, this is a big yeah. padded room, and we are all here in those big inflatable padded sumo suits. It's going to be great. You're not going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a hard, I mean, that's a tricky, that's a hard thing to do as a teacher and as a student. Like, that's a delicate balance. And still trying to find it, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I, it seemed like such a random thing at the time to sign up for SOCI, mm-hmm. especially like where I was. I was like, I don't want to audition for any um, orchestra festivals. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sit there and, and practice rep for an orchestra festival and mm-hmm. then pay my way into it. Like, it's like, oh, well, you got in. Congrats. You're top three. And also you have to pay us. And it's like, okay, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to practice where I don't want to pay. And so I was looking, looking through festivals and I was like, what is SOCI? I was like, oh, hmm. New York City, you know, New Jersey. This like, this, this is close. This sounds cool. It just seemed so random at the time and then just changed the whole course of my life. This is like such a good, well, I don't know, it's like. It means a lot that you say that. I mean, it warms my heart and, it, and it, it's like there's a tiny part of me that's like, okay, SOCI, we're doing good. Like, you know, 13 years in, like you saying that, like we've had some negative experiences and it just, it makes it feel like you're ruining someone's life or whatever, but it's nice to hear that, you know, I I feel like we, we've all had experiences at music festivals too, the four of us, you know, as students and where you paid money and you walked in and you kind of feel like you paid money to get in someone else's model car and let them drive it around. Yeah. And you're like, cool, this is a. This is a cool, this is a cool car and man it goes fast but you know can I drive it? <laughs> you yeah. know. And so see it was like come on in here's all of your car parts. <laughs> yeah. No manual. <laughs> and you all have to drive out of here in 2 weeks, you know. And like it, it was fun to see you get in a car and be like, "Oops, she put the gas gas pedal on the wrong side." Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then to be able to come in is like, "Let's just put this here and you can drive you." And that yeah. that experience as a teacher has always felt man it's terrifying. Because it's way, way easier to put you all in our model car. <laughs> way yeah. easier to just come in the room and be like, why doesn't one of you sit in with us and play drumming? Who's next? Who's next? Who's right. next? Who's next? Who's next? And why don't one of you sit in and play Malik Quartet? And it's like, why don't the four of you play Malik Quartet and we do something that causes the whole thing to explode so you know what that feels like? Because I've been on that side of the equation in front of... 5,000 people and it's awful, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're, that's the sort of test driving of the car that we've, we've really tried to make so CB and I don't know, we'll see in 20 more years what, how many lives, you may be the only person whose life has gone in a positive direction. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way, there's more, there's more. <laughs> well, I want to ask you um, just a real quick, this is like just a, a, a question that I feel like I have some solidarity with you as a, as a, as a woman who's from Florida um, I'm a man from Ohio. The last five years I have felt like Ohio gets a lot of trash and mm-hmm. people talk a lot of smack about Ohio, but then I've started to feel a little better about Ohio because Florida has gotten more trash than Ohio, <laughs> but I'm sort of just like, Oh, Florida, please stay. Because as soon as you go, we're going to be next. <laughs> and, and I'm kind of curious, like, the 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 Florida man sort of headline and and all of the the talk this last year about you know I'm very hesitant to get online and be like what's going on Florida I'm more inclined to just talk to someone who's there like how's Florida doing is is everything we're reading in the news accurate or can Andrea my my reporter on the ground tell me that Florida's doing okay 
I think we're fine. I think we're fine. I, it's really, it's, it's how huge the state is. Mm. It's there's, you know, I like Ohio. There's lots of rural parts, mm-hmm. but you have Cleveland, you have Cincinnati, you have these big cities that are like cultural hubs and there's, there's a lot going on. Um, Florida has that. We have our little hubs, but there's just not enough of them. You know, we have where I live is literally quite literally my favorite place in the U.S. right now. Uh, it's grown. I mean, I, I lived in this house in a part of town. Like when I first moved here, there's like a coffee shop. And now there's like coffee shop, vegan donut shop. There's like a new Indian shop pulled up. There's this like, uh, like, um, a vinyl listening room. There's so much that just like, you know, like awesome little places that are locally owned and they're huge on like uh, local businesses and they encourage that. And it's very LGBTQ plus friendly. We have like this huge uh, pride flag mural in my, in my little neighborhood. And so like that, I just like, I walk around my town and I'm like, wow, this place, this place is awesome. Like, I love it here. And then I just walk down this, you know, I'll, I'll skate down, you know, a couple miles. I'm at the water and I'm looking at dolphins. It's like, dang, I can't believe this is real. And I don't know how long this is going to last because everyone's going to find out this place rules in a minute and it's going to mm-hmm. not be the same ever again. So I'm just going to appreciate it while it is the way it is now. Um, okay, so stop, stop, sorry to interrupt, but this, so you're telling <laughs> me then that all of the news stories I'm seeing are just local Floridians posting scary stuff to keep us out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> It, I th- it I listen, might, crazier shit be. has happened, Andrea. Crazier shit has happened. It totally, it could be. Um, because it's it's pretty, I mean, you just think about how amazing it is that, like, we don't have to worry about a blizzard coming through. There's not even really tornadoes coming through that often. So you're, like, You're really leaving a lucky. big one out, though. I know, the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like being from California and being like, well, we don't have hurricanes, um, we don't have hurricanes. <laughs> we have fire. We have earthquakes. We have it all. But, but you you do see the hurricanes come. I think that's better. There's a forewarning. And like, that's true. Then your earthquake earthquake may hit you at any moment. It's like, okay, that's well, true. yeah, there's a, there's a hurricane coming. Let's get out. Um, there is that, like, people here really, you know, if, if somebody on the news is like, hey, there's a hurricane coming, gas is sold out. Toilet paper sold out. Everything sold. So people freak out a lot. Um, driving nuts. But honestly, I do think people undersell the town because of the reputation that state as a whole has. Or, you know, Tampa's not that great. I'm not going to give Tampa the credit. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know, you got we've got Disney World. We've got beaches. I don't know what else you could want. One thing that's I like. Great. One thing I've always. That's always. um that why I, I sort of put Ohio and Florida in a similar vein. And I would lump California in here too. Like I think people underestimate how like geographically diverse a state Florida is. I mean, you can go down to the very tip of the panhandle and you're like Key West. And then you can go to Miami and you're like Cuba. And then you can go to like the Northern panhandle, like North. And then you're like Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) <laughs> this is the bayou now like where where am yes. i and and i think like it's easy to look at florida and be like oh miami old retirees it's like yeah, yeah, yeah but you're discounting there's remember that other part that goes all the way up here <laughs> you know yeah. and, and ohio is very similar i mean you can yeah cleveland you can look at the cleveland columbus akron toledo um cincinnati 
But you go down to the other part of the state, you're in Appalachia, and it is, you know, you wouldn't recognize it as any of that mm-hmm. other stuff. And so politically, it's diverse. You go to Toledo, and you can basically see all the way to Idaho. Like, it's super flat. There's not a single tree. <laughs> you know, all industry. Yeah. Um, anyway, it just in California, too, like, California is a very rural state. And yeah. any, anyway, I just, I'm fascinated by states that get these reputations as being like, you know, California's falling apart because of the libs. Florida's falling apart because of the conservative idiots. And Ohio, we don't know. You just kind of suck because you voted for Bush in 2000, you know? Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm just like, you, uh, it's so much more interesting shit going on in these places than you, than you want to think. Right. It, it does feel like there's a little bit of a responsibility to, to be here. And, you know, there's like this really bad red tide going on and people are, are blaming it on corporations Mm-mm. for how, how severe it is and uh, pollution. And so it does feel like there's this, you know, there's the Republican side, which doesn't give a shit. And they're like, Oh, you know, whatever. And so being here and being somebody who can vote for what's going to be right for the, the state and hope it gets better is also feels like a mm-hmm. part, part of why I'm here a little bit. I mean, I, I like, again, it's my, t- this town, if this town wasn't here, I wouldn't. I You're in St. Petersburg, is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. We can edit that out if you don't want people to know where you live. But I think it says uh, it on your Instagram page. So. I think it's on my Instagram. Okay, all right. Yeah. Can't be too secretive. Uh, well, let me let me ask you, um, just to return a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, um, I think I, I got out of you what it is from pre-pandemic that, that you're letting go of. But, like, what, now moving forward, I think the hard realization for me was I could no longer say that I was in a pandemic and have it mean the same thing that it meant like last June. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I could give, I could let myself off the hook because I was like, so is not touring. No one's outside. Like, well, what? Okay. I guess I'll just do this thing. And I could, I didn't have to think long term. And that kind of felt nice for a while. It was the first time in my life where I never had to think about the five year plan. It was very reassuring yeah. just to be like, what the hell am I doing tomorrow? You know, that felt, it was really yeah. nice, Andrea. Like, I I really was like, it was like candy. <laughs> and so for yeah. like a year, I was just like, yeah, this feels great. And I can't pretend like that's the case anymore. Yes, we're still in a pandemic. Yes, people are still dying. There's variants going on. But society is like, like creeping back to a version of functionality that, where the pandemic isn't driving everything, which has not mm-hmm. been the case the last year and a half. So now I have to think about stuff again. Like, so for you, I'm, I'm going to assume some of that is some of that is true for you. Like what, how has you, how have you been readjusting your mindset now going forward, knowing that the something else could happen where it slams the door shut again for us. But yeah, you can't really pretend that the door slams shut anymore. There's some sunlight coming through. So how are you, how are you swallowing all that? Yeah, um, so I've been definitely more protective of what I spend my time on. Mm. And so I haven't even really, I would say, like, in terms of, like, my five-year plan, which has completely changed, um, that I feel like that's a good, I, uh, I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> um, I don't even know. I'm at, I'm at a loss. So it's, it's become such a weird sort of float, like floating around. Like I want to, 
I have certain goals and it feels like it's almost more safe to try and work on things at home because I'm, I'm worried about, you know, momentum starting up and then something crashing and it falling all off again. And then it's like, um, I have been working on an, you know, an EP for so long, it, 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 you know, and I was like, Oh, pandemic started. I was like, so excited. I was like, I have all this time now to work on my music. And then my health issues started. And then that, was like, I have no energy. I have no, I physically can't practice music. I can't do anything. So the motivation is gone to, you know, finish all of this stuff. So now that I'm recovered and that I, you know, went through a year of terrible health issues of not being able to, you know, play or go see people play or practice. I'm so protective of what I spend my time doing Mm -hmm. and, you know, if there's like, the, I, I'm almost at, I'm almost at a point where it's like, okay, it's maybe a little unhealthy. It's like, I need to go, I need to play. I need to do something. But I'm like, well, I, I want to be very specific. I do, do I want this to be a malstation and singing thing? Do I want this to be in um, drum set and singing with the band? Like, do I want to do uh, like, like solidifying exactly what it's going to be for me has been more important than just like going out and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas before I would just, any opportunity I could, if it was marimba and singing, I'd go out and do it. If it was drum set, mouth station singing, I'd go out and do it. It's just instrumental background music, I'd go out and do it. But now I'm very protective of it. I'm very like, even when I write music, I want it to be a very uh, productive time. I don't want to just sit down and be like, okay, I told myself I was going to practice songwriting for 30 minutes today and I have no motivation, but I'm going to do it anyway. But instead I'm like, well, I, maybe I need that 30 minutes to rest. Maybe I, my body's telling me something that, I, you know, I wasn't listening to before it, that got me into this health, health situation before where it's like, I wasn't listening to my body. And then it was like, bye, <laughs> we're going to take a break. So yeah, I, I, um, there's, there's not much going on because of that protection of the, of the like safe space of the, like, okay, I'm not going to go too hard. I'm going to be very careful about what shows I book about what I'm doing. I think, all of that sounds totally normal. And I mean, I, I, I'm not going to tell you how you should feel or approach your own life, but, um, I think there is, there are, there is some things you're saying that sort of pop a flag up that were similar flags. Whenever I saw you staring at that China symbol hi hat, where like <laughs> you were attempting to protect some version that you thought, things should be in in reality what it was doing was paralyzing you and making you not actually be able to do the thing that we needed you to do which was to play in the style of steve and get past like get rid of all this you might do something wrong or that there is a there's a thing you need to do in order to do this right sometimes just jumping in the pool with blinders on and trusting that everybody around you has put water in there i think sadly sometimes is the answer not all the time because sometimes that's just a dumb thing to do but yeah. um, you did say out loud that you don't, there's a, there's a lot that you don't know about like, oh, I don't know if I want to put Marimbo. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do the Malakat voice today. To me, that says, okay, well, just don't be afraid about putting the brake on the wrong side today. Maybe you'll stomp on the gas and it's the brake by accident, you know, yeah. and then just get out and put switch it and switch it tomorrow, you know, start putting things together because... I think what you said is you don't know, and that's t- neither do I, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am just as fucking lost as you are. Um, <laughs> but 
I think I've I'm just a little bit less afraid at things I don't know and and being willing just to throw a punch and being like, well, sometimes I go to a restaurant and just let the waiter order for me. Well, just sometimes, sometimes, not all the time. But if it's a good restaurant and the waiter's like, well, what do you like? And I'll be like, well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of whitefish. I love salmon. I love beef. I love mochi. I love all you know, all these things. I'll listen to all yeah. of And then they'll be like, I got you. Nine times out of ten, that's a really great experience. But then you realize, oh, you know what? I hate truffle oil. Actually, I'm going to cut that out of every meal I can moving forward. And thank God this random person put truffle oil in my pasta because I would never have known. And I think in terms of your, like, the things that aren't super consequential in your life, like playing your Malak hat isn't going to physically hurt you ever, really, unless yeah. you're playing with terrible technique. Um, mm-hmm. Playing your marimba, playing your drum set isn't really going to damage anything. You're only going to learn about what you do and you, you can and can't do. And I think I would just, I, if I was in your room right now or we were at Sosi, I'd be like, just... I don't know, make a marimba, malacat, drum set setup. That way you have everything you want. And then if you're feeling out of gig, you don't want to play the marimba, don't play the marimba, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, it's I'm oversimplifying things here, but um, I think I would just, I would prefer you to be less scared. I think that's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, my thoughts over here. So take that for what it's worth. Okay. Yeah. I th- you're totally right. Like you just be less scared all the time. Be great. <laughs> Well, this is the, I mean, I'm saying that, but it's advice to myself too. I mean, this last year was, I think it's true. We've all been traumatized and, you know, you've laid out things for you that have been, uh, multipliers on top of that trauma, whether it be health, whether it be career. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge those things. I mean, I've had close family members pass away. I've had friends of mine lost their two-year-old son to a seizure and couldn't be in the hospital. Like terrible and stuff I haven't even really processed yet. You know, I haven't been able to see them in person in a year after this. Like I've only driven by their house and waved like, and so do you think I want to get up and go play so-called laws of nature? <laughs> <laughs> You're out of your goddamn mind Andre- Andrea. Sorry. I keep saying Andrea because Andrea mozzarella was in my life for the last two weeks. Andrea, yeah. like it's fear for me. It's like fear of like, am I too traumatized? Do I care about this anymore? That's terrifying. Do I care about so-called laws anymore? I used to. If I don't, what does that mean? And that's just fear. That's, but yeah, that's fear. That's, that's not, I don't know if that's true. Of course I care about so-called laws because it's not just a piece of paper. It's David Lang and David's a lovely person. He's got three kids and his wife Suzanne's great and we've had wine with them and and it, we've had so many awesome gigs. It's like, of course I care about it. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and that scares, that scares the shit out of me. Like, cause it's my life. That's 15 years of my life. I've put together to try to then come to associate and pretend for you all that I care about so-called laws of nature, because it seems to me that's what you all think I do, mm. you know? And it's not true. I mean, I don't wake up every day. I, I don't think about so-called laws of nature ever. <laughs> Except for when Jason's like, hey, we're playing it on September 12th. And I'm like, <gasps> okay. <laughs> and then I practice my teacups, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a, that's something for me. I think I'm trying to tease out moving forward is just being honest with like what I care about and what I don't care about, and then what I'm willing to care about because other people do. Maybe I don't. Yeah. Maybe I don't love. You know, maybe I don't love so-called. Law. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just using so-called laws is because it's like the most extreme. It's the most the most hot button piece we have of just like, oh my god, it's so hard and so stressful. Like, I care about it because enough people around me care about it. Mm-hmm. And that's worth it to me. Like yeah. if I if enough people in my circle like if sort of were like nah, I don't know I just don't then I'm just like okay fine like I'm definitely not going to do it then like if if if, if audiences don't want to hear it, presenters don't want to book it David doesn't like the piece anymore like why are we doing this no. you know like but that's not yeah. the case and so for me it's like okay I'll put my fear aside and and just dive into it but. I don't know. I don't really have a good question here, Andrea. I'm just talking out of my butt. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, that's been, for me, that's the thing going forward. I think I want to be more, I think in agreeing with you, like, you want to be more careful of the time that you're using on things. I want to be more honest with why I'm using the time. Like, if I'm playing yeah. something because I don't really like the piece, I want to be honest with myself and everybody around me about why I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do it because my friends love this piece and it's going to make the party afterwards that much better. Like all of these things, <laughs> you know, like all of these things are connected and intersect with each other. So I just need, to, but before I was just like, well, I think students think this piece is hard. So I need to pretend like I love playing hard music. Uh, Never have felt that way ever. Yeah. Well, I think, and you say this a lot at Sosis, like you're, when you're like biggest values in what you do is the, your group setting, your mm-hmm. you and the guys and the collaborations, and that, like everything you were just saying, is like all like valuing the collaborative aspect, the partying afterwards, <laughs> you know, the working with David Lang, all of that is like okay, well, you value all of the the group part of it more than just like your individual part. Have you it's thought? More, have you? Have you thought about getting a sidekick? I I have. Yeah. I, I, it's tough. I've actually joined a group, uh, like a, a band in my area that plays about once a month, just because I craved that so much. Good. I'm just playing drum set, yeah. and it's just a nice little outlet to like play the music with the group, and I don't have to worry about booking gigs. I don't have to worry about anything. I show up and play my part. You've won, um, Andrea. You have won. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, yes. by the way. That's what we're yeah, all trying I mean, to do. <laughs> it's amazing. And but obviously, like, you know, I have the other parts of my life that I'm, my goals, you know, are that are things that I want to accomplish, writing music and being a solo art, solo artist. Um, yeah, I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, how do I get to that point where I can have, you know, where I can go collaborate with the producer or with the songwriting team or with whoever. Hmm. And that I get really excited about that. I get really excited about thinking about being in a studio where I'm like, what about this idea? And somebody's like, well, what about this idea? I'm like, yes. Like, I love that so much. And and being home alone, I don't know if it's like I have undiagnosed ADHD or something's going on where I'm like, I sit down and then a day later, I forget I even started a project. I'm like, I have to constantly remind myself. Whereas it's like a group. It's like, Hey, did you try this or I'm going to try this or let's get together on this date. And it feels a lot more easy to, to work when you're for me in a, in a setting where you're responsible for your part of a puzzle, not just mm. like you are the whole thing. 
Um, I, th- I think that. And I wish it. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I sorry. I wish I had a little bit more of that in my um, personal projects. Well, I, I would sure. put that on your to do list of like find a producer friend or just somebody who. I mean, because I've been. Do you know? Do you know who Brian Eno is? I'm, no, I um, he is a producer. He wrote. A, uh, he produced a ton of different albums. He worked with the Beach Boys. Um, I think he produced a Coldplay album recently. Um, he wrote a, a piece called "Music for Airports." That's um, kind of an ambient piece. Um, but he's a producer, and he, um, he he developed this set of strategies. He calls oblique strategies, uh, where they're originally it was a deck of cards. I'm not sure when this came out, maybe the nineties or something, but it's just a deck of cards that you pull randomly. And it says stuff like, um, turn it upside down. And you're like, what? And the next one is put the tambourine on the verse. Like no one ever puts mm-hmm. the tambourine on the verse. It's always on the chorus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then one is like, what is your steal your, your friend's favorite compositional technique? Like, mm-hmm. so like, I don't know, like if, for David Lang, it's maybe a simple canon. So I'm just, okay, I don't do canons, but David's thing, I'm going to do that, so let's just try that. And it's just like hundreds of these things where it's a way to get through some sort of artistic block you have where it just subverts everything. I think there's a website where it just it now randomly generates for you. Um, but he would do these things where he would make a one-minute, you know, he and a friend of his, I think it's Daniel Lenoir, who's another producer, um, and they would just make, like, short pieces give each other a deadline, be like, you can mix this for one hour tonight and then you got to send it back. And they would just do this as like an exercise. And it was like, it's so crazy when you just like, if you sat down tonight and you're like, all right, I'm going to write a one minute piece, a one minute tune and just get killer at writing the one minute in and out one verse, one chorus, you're done and write Mm -hmm. 30 of those a month, you know, then maybe two of them, are the thing that you then turn into a big song. But anyway, just like these little techniques, I, I would recommend checking out the oblique strategies. Cause I think it'll feel like you have a producer in the room with you. Yeah. Who is like, it's like, they're a little like tarot card readings. Like, cause they're never wrong. <laughs> like somebody can always find a way <laughs> that the tarot card matches whatever's going on, but they, they always work. And so I, I would recommend checking them out. I think you'd really like them. That sounds awesome. I'm going to try that for sure. Yeah. Well, Andrea, I, first off, I'll, I'll go on the record here. I slept in and I apologize. I'm going to get it on the record. So people listen and know that I'm holding (laughs) myself accountable and sleeping in is not, I like to sleep just for the record. I just don't like to sleep in when I have an appointment with a friend. And, um, when I see you in person, I'll buy you the world's largest beer and we'll, we'll tip it back and you can make me uh, rollerblade. I can't wait. <laughs> Talk about things that give me crushing anxiety when I see you rollerblading. My like, I just put my wrists under my arms and I'm like, no, 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 no. Really? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, I wear gear and I'm very, you know, very careful. It's like it's like um, that's also something. Pre-pandemic, Andrea was very concerned about weightlifting and working out all the time. And then again, I had that health issue. Couldn't work out for a year. Had to drop weightlifting, and then. I was like, well, what, what do I find important in, in exercising? And I was like, I found that I loathed, became, became loathed, loathful. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it started to loathe weightlifting to an extent because I made it such a chore. Mm. And I was like, well, I need to find a way to exercise. That's going to like 
be fun. And it's not just for like aesthetic purposes because that was draining on me. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be like, okay, well, I like to do this because it makes me feel better. It relieves anxiety. And it was skating because skating was like, I don't know, such a big part of my childhood. And now I'm just doing it as exercise. And I sit there and I like, I'll even do like manifestation exercises. I'm like skating and like going like 10 miles an hour. I'm like, phew, all right, what do I want my life to look like? You know, it's just so freeing and you're going fast and there's a little bit of danger, but with the pads on, I don't feel so bad. Florida woman manifests her future on rollerblades. (laughs) (laughs) Dream house, what does that look like? Uh, Well, listen, keep it up. Uh, Andrea, it was really great to touch base with you and I'm glad to hear that things are, are, on the rise back on some sort of incline that your health issues are, are squared away. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't know when so is coming to Florida next, but when we do, mm-hmm. I would love to hang and tip a beer back and pretend like it's pre pandemic and nothing yes. happened. <laughs> that sounds great. I would really love that. Well, take care, Andrea. Thank you so much and uh, stay healthy. And I'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. See you, buddy. Yeah. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum. Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, my good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check him out. Liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y pans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on uh, in so percussion as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, He's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, Um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, want to learn more about the goings-on in pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check him out. And finally, Aliandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan-centric. You can check him out at mangochowclothing.com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out, mangochowclothing.com. Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.